The Almost Sisters, a novel by Jocelyn Jackson. Chapter 1 My son, Digby, began at exactly 3.02 a.m. in the morning on the first Friday in June. I don't mean his conception or his birth. I mean the moment he began for me, which happened between the two larger events. It was a start so small, I almost didn't notice. I was very, very busy panicking about my job. I had finished penciling and inking a limited series for DC Comics, the last contract standing between me and the prequel of my own graphic novel, Violence in Violet. Every word and every line of Violence in Violet had been written and penciled and lettered and inked and colored by me. I am proud as hell of it. But I hadn't continued it as a series. I couldn't. We in we ended in a full apocalypse. Literally nothing could happen next in Violence's world because there was no next. Everything was over and it stayed over until Dark Horse Comics came to me in the offer for a prequel. They wanted Violence's origin story. Every super being has one. Peter Parker gets bitten by a radioactive spider Bruce Banner is caught in a blast of gamma radiation. Dark Horse wanted the story of how violence came to be. I said yes, near instantly, excited at the prospect. It was a backdoor route to my own invented world and the chance to work with my own characters again. For the first time, as a professional, I had full creative control over the script as well as the art. I was thrilled even, right up until a I actually had to do it. I loved violence. As much as anyone can love a sharp tooth, purple, vigilante, cannibal, but I never explained what she was or where she came from, even to myself. She was simply a busty force with crazy eyes and silver thigh boots, acting out a bloody revenge fantasy that spoke to anyone who had their heart jerked out and stomped flat. Now I had to know where she began and how she began. I'd signed a paper promising I'd know, and comic book artists don't miss deadlines. I already got my best ideas, I, I always get my best ideas at bedtime, drifting in and out of sleep, the membrane between my conscious mind and the black and salty marshes of my undermind grown thin and permeable. In my industry, pictures shaped story, and pictures were my jumping off point. I closed my eyes and waited for colors that had no name to splash into shapes on my inner eyelids, forming images that would become the panels. But I couldn't fall into the deep green swampland of near sleep where all the best ideas were born. When I closed my eyes, all I saw was my deadline. It felt like it was coming way too fast, coming at me even, and with bad intentions. I thumped my pillow and rolled onto my side, and there he was. He started. Digby. I knew he existed before that middle of night in June. Of course, intellectually speaking, I'd had a small, almost casual suspicion back in March when my period pulled a no-show. That was a couple of weeks after I'd, I'd been featured artist at a comic book convention in Atlanta and that whole debacle that had happened with the Batman. So technically speaking, it was possible, barely. But I was 38 years old and not some hyper-fertile 20-something who could catch pregnant like it was a cold. 
skips in late starts or my new normal i told myself when i hit 10 days late i had to stop by cvs for razors anyway so i threw a coke and a pregnancy test into my basket i drank the first on the way home where i used the second i leaned against the sink waiting out the timer the test itself was resting on the back of the toilet in plain sight on the top of a tissue i didn't peek though i kept my gaze trained on the pair of steampunk fishes i'd hung up on the wall over the tub a local artist had made them out of found objects which was art for talk for trash chipped and rusty gears nails springs and bits of broken tools had found a second life as fishes on my wall i'd always liked them but it felt like they were staring back at me they had very round eyes made of bits of vintage telescopes and fat rubber tubing mouths that turned down oh shut up i told them i never realized that fish were so judgmental two minutes later i was looking at a pink plus sign i stood there squinting as if my eyes had gone wonky and were seeing wrong i was in the outside master bathroom that along with the skylight studio upstairs had made me fall in love with my funky georgian house now the room seemed cavernous if i yelled it might echo the test pink packaging looked frivolous sitting on my sink much too silly to be bearer of real tidings i didn't want to go through all my re- go to my regular lady parts talk as if i had a uti or needed to schedule a pap smear instead i called my friend margo fan Can you give me an emergency appointment now? I asked. She and her husband had been in my tight-knit clot of Tuesday gamers for 12 years now, and I had never been able to see her as a doctor. She was a pediatrician. My waiting room is stuffed with snot-filled toddlers. I'm already on a yellow alert here, Leah, she told me. I'm past yellow. I'm this big, fat, blaring red, I told her. You see teenage girls, right? You can check for if I'm pregnant. Oh shit, said Margot. Batman, are you kidding me? Come right now. Margot installed me in a tiny exam room with puffy cartoon forest animals all over the wallpaper. She did another pee test, which was positive, and then at my insistent took the world's most awkward look at my the cervix. "Yeah, honey, you're knocked up," she told me. all the way up i asked even though margo was my one of my closest friends she wouldn't screw with me on something medical but this still felt like some elaborate prank as if she were to pop up in between my thighs while my feet were found in the stirrups holding a waffle iron and saying look what i found maybe you should do a blood test that would be so gratuitous much like this Mar- margo said standing and heading for the door i sat up clutching the sheet around me get rest and come to my office okay let's talk you're not in this alone i was so gobsmacked for that second i knew i thought she knew uh, that i had batman on my side the real thing not that one shot superhero in an etsy cow named matt or mark or even marcus i couldn't quite remember i did remember that he was from some place that ended in a Florida, India, maybe Canada, like the beer we drank in between tequila shots. Maybe Canada, I don't know. He was taller than me, but who wasn't? 
He might have been genuinely funny. He certainly seemed funny at that time. He was black. I was pretty definite on that. His smile, his jawline, they had been absolutely beautiful. At some point, he must have taken off his pointy-eared, iconic mask because I had a fuzzy memory of his oversized brown eyes slowly blinking and shy with a thick fringe of lashes. They made his whole face sweeter than a cocky smile had led me to expect. I also remembered he loved violence in velvet. He recognized me at the hotel bar and came over, came over to me to, to describe all his favorite panels. He noticed the birds and little animals I'd hidden here and there in the artwork, disguised as shadows or curls of violence's hair. He had asked when the prequel would be published and saying that he couldn't wait to get his hands on it. His admiration had been balm, and I had needed balm. Earlier that day, I had gotten so damn burned, plus tequila never was handmaiden of good decisions. So I asked him to come up to my room. He'd started kissing in the elevator, where he'd grabbed my fistfuls of long hair to tip my face back in a way I liked so much. I remember my hands working up under his chest piece, seeking warm and living skin. I remembered his naked body sprawled across my hotel carpet, me naked too, hops and a gave, leaking out of our very pores, rolling me on top now, with my head thrown back. Had I put on the Batman cowl and cape? Yes, yes I had, I remembered with a whole body shame flush. I'd won them both, laughing like an Arkham-level maniac as tried him. In the morning, I was dog sick and alone. He'd left a note on the pillow. You're amazing. Can't wait for the prequel. And a phone number with an area code that for sure was not Virginia. It was probably fake. And anyway, I was flying home to Norfolk in a couple of hours. I couldn't call and try to un-one-night stand him with some legit dating. i had just thrown the note away. And with it, any chance I heard of finding him. Batman wasn't going to be a factor. I got dressed, but I didn't go to Margot's office. I sat staring at a wall, covered with smiling rabbits and baby deer in cotton candy colors. The raccoons all looked so smug, like they were laughing at me. And why not? Unplanned pregnancy is tragic, especially when the mom is a kid herself. But at my age, some elements of Comedy crept in. Shouldn't I be now better than to drag an anonymous Batman back into my room um, by his utility belt? Shouldn't I at least understand the proper workings of a condom? People might not say it to me, but they'd say it to each other. They would think it at me really loud. Oh, and my parents, I dropped my face into my hands, cringing at the thought of their reaction. They were suburban Methodists both originally from very small towns, the poster couple for conventional. I could picture my mother turting and hand-wringing while my stepfather Keith stood awkwardly behind her, trying to give me money. Plus, telling Keith was tantamount to telling Rachel, and that would be the worst. My stepsister had never been a fender-bender, much less an accident involving reproduction she had made herself a family in perfect order, as if it were as simple as a playground song. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Rachel with a baby carriage. I couldn't even get step one right. 
The last thing I wanted was Rachel to know that I had fetched up pregnant. She would be so irritatingly sorry for me. She would make excuses for me to her parents. We can blame Leah, I could hear her saying. She must be so lonely. Otherwise, she would have never been engaged in a desperate, tawdry incident with an unfindable Batman. And the worst part was, she would genuinely be trying to help me. Rachel always helped me, sometimes so relentlessly that I wished I had a safe word. There was a quick tap at the door, and Margot struck her head back in. Do you have your pants on? You've been here for quite a while, she said. Behind her, through the open doorway, I could hear her children playing in the waiting room. Little piping voices, the bang of plastic toys and thumpy feet. I'd barreled through the crowd of small, sniffling humans and their mothers on my way in. It was all mothers, though presumably each child had a father someplace. I'd barely noticed the children, eager to get back here and let Margot correct the home kid's obvious mistake. And I heard them now. Through the thin wall in the room next door, a baby burst into noisy squalling, very rich with outrage. My head tilted towards the sound. What's wrong with the baby? I asked. Margot shrugged, tucking in the ends of her jet black bob behind her ears. Poor little brew, he's getting vaccinations. She came all the way in to close the door, but I could still hear him. He was so affronted. 30 seconds ago, he had been as innocent as the pink rabbits on the wallpaper. He hadn't even known that the things could hurt. Someone should have warned him that the world was filled with jabby things in it and adults would stick in them in the blameless thighs on purpose, that too. But even as I thought it, he began to quiet. He must be in his mother's arm, being bobbled and soothed, already forgetting a real live human baby. I put one hand on my belly. It felt soft. A little rounder than what I would have liked. No different from usual. Yet inside, secretly, it was not the same. The mortifying shock of being pregnant. I hadn't thought of getting a baby. Of course, that was the pregnancy's end game after all. 